0: Everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie.
1: And I'm Emery.
0: And as usual, we have a special guest today who is going to be going by R. Yes. Um, she would like to stay somewhat anonymous today. But I've known R for like eight years. Yep, eight years. And uh, she's also worked in the mental health field for 13 years. Yes, mm-hmm. So she is like just got a ton of knowledge about this stuff and want to hear from her on that but also just talk about personal stuff too
1: and i've known r for two weeks yeah so. two awesome weeks yeah we're pretty much best friends already <laughs>
0: that's right <laughs> yeah so you got to get to the business
1: though so. <laughs> yeah i do have to get to the business yeah
0: i always jump ahead of you but I, i'm not going to do that today i, know, I really
1: appreciate that uh, you got it. So, so two nuts in a pod you can find us here, of course, on our home on 1065 Forward Radio. You can also listen to us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can also listen to us on streaming services. Google Play, Castbox. I almost said Google Box. Google Play. <laughs> Google, Castbox. Box. Google Box. Google Play, Castbox, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. So so many different ways to find us. You can also find us on social media. Facebook is Two Nuts in a Pod with two, the number two spelled out. And Instagram is two nuts in a pod with the number two, the actual number two nuts in a pod. And you can also email us anytime at two nuts in a podcast at gmail dot com. You can email us questions, concerns. <laughs> uh, you know, if you want to be on the show, if you want to talk to us, if you have. You know, you want to give us praise, especially to Lizzie, you know, whatever you want to say.
0: Or if you hate my stupid voice and my stupid face,
1: <laughs> just
0: say it, say what you mean.
1: Just be honest with us <laughs> and we will answer in a timely fashion. Yeah. That's or if you good. have topics that you want to hear t- talked about, you know, we always can just talk yeah, about something. Yeah, we
0: need topic ideas, especially for our solo episodes. Yeah. Stuff you guys want us to delve into.
1: Mm-hmm. That would be good. Because yeah. yeah, otherwise we just pick them. Yeah. Based off how we feel.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, you can have more control over this audience. You yeah. can be a part of this.
1: Mm-hmm. You can be. So that's the business.
0: Nice. I Also, by the way, I was really excited. I did a shout out in our last episode. Mm-hmm. And the person actually listened to it and heard my shout out and texted me. She Aww. felt really special. Oh, that that nice. is
2: awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. Did you give a shout out to uh, My friend Kate. Oh, I was just like, hi, Kate. And she's like, I just listened to it. <laughs>
2: It's fun. Perfect.
0: We have fun.
1: I should shout out my mom and see if she listens. Do it. Hi, mom.
2: I just never hear anything.
0: We'll do like a different friend or family member each episode to see if they are loyal enough to us
2: to listen to our show. I say you really do it.
0: Just have them to prove if they love us or not. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. Seems fair to me. We'll see immature. very soon
1: that if my mom actually loves me.
0: Yeah. My fingers are crossed for
1: you, bud. Thank
2: you. <laughs> Keeping hope alive.
1: So that's the business.
0: That's the business. All right. So our first segment is how are you for real? So, Whenever people ask how you're doing, the typical response is like fine or great or I'm okay and then just like move on. But rarely are people actually feeling fine or okay or great or just a one-word answer. It's just something that people kind of, they brush past the question. But we actually are the weirdos that want to hear how someone's feeling. Like I can I could have a whole 20-minute conversation with someone about how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do, and that's why no one likes having me at parties. <laughs> so <laughs> we are going to do the how are you for real for in this real. room today. Didn't you so. just go to a party? I, I did. I went to a going-away party yesterday.
1: Did, but did you do that with people there? Did you have like a long conversation about how they are for real?
0: Let me think. Yeah, I guess, because I'm close with the people there, and so I kind of know what's going on in their lives, so it wasn't like a, you know, we we just got right down to it.
1: That's good. That's you good. know,
0: and my sister was there, too, and I think I was really hungry yesterday, too. <laughs> so uh, if, I might pass out during this recording, because I haven't eaten in a few hours, which for me is like a long time because I'm a baby <laughs> and I have to eat every three hours. <laughs> so I'm going to try to make it. But yeah, I was hungry yesterday too. It's just the theme of my life right now. <laughs> I have been really hungry lately though. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the fall. I'm already starting to want
2: to pad the weight on for the winter. Mm. I was going to say a lot of, you know, maybe sensory changes are changing as the seasons change as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah Cause I, I love food this mm-hmm. time of year. Like, Soups, making yes, soups like I love crazy. Have a good soup.
1: Okay, we're just hungry right now. I'm hungry too right <laughs> yeah. now. So, this is just terrible. Like, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> so, we got to get to how are you for real? Okay. <laughs> so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, Lizzie, how are you for real?
0: Effing hungry. <laughs>
2: I had a feeling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm hungry and it's been really annoying. I also like being emotionally sensitive. I'm also more sensitive to like pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. So, When I'm hungry, I'll feel, like, really out of sorts. Mm -hmm. I'll feel, like, shaky and just kind of, like, ooh. I feel better now just, like, talking about it. But when I was, like, trapped in my head, like, just, oh, my God, I feel so crappy. What is this? Now that I've labeled it, I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. it's fine. I'm hungry. I'll get food in, like, an hour. It's cool. But I also kind of have the Sunday scaries today a little bit where I just feel this generalized anxiety. And there's really nothing situational that caused it like saw hung out with really close friends yesterday and had a good time I ended up (laughs) there's a lot of food stuff with me I ended up yesterday (laughs) we had like these this amazing pork it was at Le Chasse and um they I just I ate so much pork that I was, like, uncomfortable. So everyone's standing around afterwards and talking, and I'm just seriously doing, like, Lama's breathing. Like,
1: Aww. oh, my God.
0: Like, I just felt like I c- couldn't hang mm-hmm. with the, the pork ingesting that we mm. were doing. But, yeah, so I didn't go to the after party. So I don't know. I guess I could be anxious about that. But I didn't feel anxious about any of that stuff. I just, today, you know, it's Sunday gotta be a grown-up again tomorrow yeah like party's over the weekends go by so quickly too quick yeah yeah and it's like i'm just always feeling like i'm running out of time on the weekends it's like because a lot of times you save certain like tasks for weekend days because you don't have energy Mm -hmm. to like (gasps) mop the house on a weeknight at least I don't I, I don't <laughs> so I save yeah, those I kind of tasks so then the weekend ends up just like action-packed because it's like I want to see as many people mm-hmm. as I can I want to do those chores that I don't have the energy for on other days if I could spread it out more and like do stuff on weekdays then I probably wouldn't be you know so stressed like this when yeah. it happens so I might try that strategy I might try you know, being social on weekdays too. I might start going to trivia again because that just restarted. They've got like a whole system that is COVID friendly trivia. Oh, so where? like uh, at Diorio's, it's the Last Call trivia that our friend Corey's, our friends <laughs> Corey and Devin host.
1: Oh, um, you mean that I host too?
0: Oh yeah, that you host too. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, are you are you doing it again though?
1: Well. I don't know, because I thought we were still kind of nervous about that stuff. So I don't know if we will host it again.
0: Yeah, Corey's done it once, but then it was canceled last week because of the protests.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: Um, But, yeah, they you use, like, one person in the group has their phone, and that's how they submit answers. So you have sheets mm. you can write on, but nobody's passing the sheets back and forth. That's
2: a good idea. Yeah. I'm so, starting to notice at restaurants, too, you can scan the menu, like, on your phone. I love that. Yeah. That is really nice. Maybe a positivity of COVID. Maybe the one I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
1: the one good thing. The
2: one. Mm, yeah, we'll go with it.
0: I, but you know, now that I'm thinking of it, Seth always, my husband always feels like I seem to react to current events. Like my, like my moods are very like, just follow mm-hmm. current events. So if there's a lot of like, anxiety and turmoil and sadness in the air, it's like I just like catch it. So I've been, I have been feeling anxious with all the, you know, just with the Breonna Taylor Mm -hmm. ruling and just how heartbroken people are in this city and just seeing people dealing with that. And then Mm -hmm. also just seeing people having crappy arguments on the internet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But anyway, that is how I'm doing Just But hungry is the most important thing. Yeah. That's that's in the forefront of my mind. So I might start chewing on this microphone soon. <laughs> <laughs> Emo, how are you for real?
1: I am, as usual, kind of all over the place. I'm a little lethargic today. I, uh, I went for a run and I went for a walk with a friend this morning. And so that's made me a little tired. That's like eight miles so, I'm a little, mm, a little out of you. it. And also I also just didn't eat very much today. Skipped my breakfast, which I never do. So, I'm all over the place right now.
0: So you burn a ton of calories yeah. running eight miles. Eight miles. Yeah. You're um, at a deficit right now. I'm so jealous of you. God. Just tell me what you eat. Text it to me. <laughs> if you could do take videos of yourself eating it, that's even better. <laughs> It's like eating a whole pizza.
1: <laughs> I, um, also, my medicine, the anxiety medicine I take, gives me kind of the um, tinglys. Oh. And um, it makes me a little little out of it, a little drowsy. And I don't like that feeling. So I need to figure out what to do about that. So what I, medicine is it? It's uh, Buspar. Which oh, I, yeah. I take I, Buspar. I didn't think that was even a side effect for that one. So I'm confused by that. When you've you been on it, it for
0: a while, right?
1: I've only been on it for like a month or two. Oh, okay. okay. But it's always given me that I just like have been like, oh, I'll just go with it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, maybe I should just talk to the psychiatrist and be like, yeah, why am I feeling Mm -hmm. like this?
0: When there are persistent side effects like that, I mean, you have to decide if it's worth it. Yeah. But there, if there's a ton of other drugs that could do that for you, yeah. I did the gene site testing, which I highly recommend to anyone. I went to the couch to get it done. They just take like a swab like inside your cheek mm-hmm. and they send it off and then they you give you just self report like depression anxiety like anything that you want them to check for focus on attention issues mm-hmm. and they basically run your genes against what they know about these psych- psychiatric medications and how they operate on your genes so it gives you like a list of things that you you know probably shouldn't take because of the way they interact with your genes and how you process them and then you have a list of things that are safer like use as directed
1: interesting
2: that's phenomenal i like that
0: and i Mm -hmm. i had um and it it's true too because i i tried prozac which was on Mm -hmm. my no-no list and i felt like so anxious like i had the anxiety side effects just like the most anxiety I've ever felt in my life. Like, I was visiting family at the time, and I just didn't feel like myself. It was very, like, out of body. But, yeah, since having that experience, I've been like, I'm so thankful. Because it's been so nice with my doctor to have just a list of things I can try. Like, she just has that to start from. So And I feel confident that I'm not going to have to worry about side effects when I'm trying out new
1: drugs. mm mm-hmm.
0: So that okay. could be worth checking yeah. out. Yeah,
1: I'll definitely check that out. That's a good idea.
0: I think it was like, it's expensive, but I think I paid 200 and then I never got any bills. Hmm. Like, they said that I could possibly get billed for more, but I think my insurance covered it. Nice. Okay. But, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, then anyway. just feeling kind of all over the place, because with the Breonna Taylor stuff this week, uh, so I've participated in two different protests, and then... Uh, I also led a professional development on mental health on Friday for oh, a wow. nonprofit that's in California. I was supposed to go out to L.A. to do it, and um, but I just hosted it from Zoom. So that was wild because I didn't think I would ever be doing something like that. And I yeah, that was and then my nephew's birthday. He turned six yesterday. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of things happening, and a pretty wild thing. Mm-hmm. So. In a span of six days, I had three very tough conversations with people in my life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: one of them, like, I pretty much, like, cut out of my life. Oh, wow. And so that's this has been a... It's been very weird. So I was like, why the hell did I choose to have so many tough conversations lately? But that's what I've done. And uh, it's been real weird. <laughs> And then, and then I'm also in the process of buying a house, so it's just everything is just nutty right now.
0: Um, oh yeah, how'd the inspection go? It went is well. It good news. Yeah, it's nice. good
1: news. Yeah, so it is. It is very. It's highly likely that it is going to happen, and that I will be a homeowner very soon. It's
2: exciting. Very it cool. is exciting.
1: Uh, it's stressful too, but yeah. exciting. But there's just there's just a lot of stuff going on, and the professional development thing I was really worried about because I and we've talked about having imposter syndrome before. <laughs> I was like, I'm not a therapist, not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. Like I am not qualified to lead a professional development, but I am someone with lived experiences and that is valuable to people. And apparently it went well and they really liked it. And it was like twenty five people and I was like, Man, I don't I don't know how I got to this area where I'm leading a professional development <laughs> session but it was really nice. It was with it was with educators, so it was about mental health in the classroom and mm. And that's something that's really important to me as just a former teacher and then just as someone who considers myself a youth advocate and then also a mental health advocate, so it was really nice, but it was also just weird, like you just get to this point in life where you're like, "How the hell did I get here like and who am I to do this like i I'm not qualified, but
0: which like I saw, and I was like, "That's awesome, that's perfect for him. You know, your friends see see it but yeah. i think we're really mean to ourselves
1: yeah very stuff like that very mean to myself and one person i talked to she was like oh yeah you'd be you're perfect for that you'll do great and i was just like yeah i don't, I don't think i'm qualified for this but yeah we, we distort those images and we only see certain sides of ourselves. so
0: i think most people experience that imposter syndrome like every level that you get every promotion that you get there's that feeling of being an imposter and then you just start i really think that fake it till you make it mm-hmm. thing is true i think everybody does that and the only people who don't feel like imposters are usually narcissists yeah.
2: they just never deal with that who are imitating they're not really doing they're imitating yep it's interesting yeah. and i think that's enough
1: mm-hmm. but wait they're imitating what do you mean
2: well i think someone who is a narcissist doesn't have a way of really understanding human connection so in order to act like they understand social skills will imitate what they see as social skills but truly don't feel because when you engage in socialization it's like this give and take and you feel what you give and you also feel what you take whereas i don't think someone who has narcissism or really any personality disorders i don't think they're able to do that but they know how to imitate it because they see how socialization works
1: oh interesting mm-hmm.
0: yeah i had a boss who was a just textbook narcissist like my therapist Called it out, mm-hmm. and I had to tell myself that like this is not his fault. This is just he he doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't understand like the emotional side
2: of interacting with people. Right, but yeah, doesn't mean you have to tolerate it either. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I
0: don't have that boss anymore. Yeah, they moved on. I'm very happy about that.
1: I will say one thing: the professional development thing that I led, I got paid for it. And I, I've never been, I have never been paid for anything related to mental health before. And the amount of times and conversations and, and just of myself that I've given to others for mental health, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of nice to get paid for this. Like it just, it never even dawned on me like, hey man, like you're, you're providing a lot Mm -hmm. and maybe you should. Get some money for this. Yeah, I was going to ask That's you, is awesome. this
2: something you can build upon now that you have this experience? Because you, you seem like a very natural facilitator conversation in general. And because of your experiences, which are invaluable, you mm-hmm. can facilitate you know, that type of uh, field. I,
1: I don't know. Yeah, I mm-hmm. did have one person stay afterwards. And she asked me if I could do this for people from her country. She's mm-hmm. from Venezuela. And mm-hmm. she um that she would translate for me. And I was like, wow. Like you want me to do that? <laughs> like, it just sounds so wild to me, but another side's like, I mean, maybe I could build on that. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, cause that I do, I did really enjoy it. And it's like stuff that I like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like it's conversations that need to happen. So I don't know. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I think you Why should. Why not? Don't, don't let the imposter syndrome convince you not to.
1: That imposter syndrome is so bad. It just, even when I'm like, even when I might be the best person in the room for something, I'll still be like, meh, nah, I don't know, maybe somebody else <laughs> Like I mean it's yeah. really like what I think. Like so I just like it's just so annoying to feel like that, but it's it's definitely it's there.
2: Yeah. Do you think you feel any shame or guilt with success or or just that taste of because if you got really good response that means that people really you know, uh, were drawn to you and what you were able to provide. Does that, like, feel uncomfortable?
1: I mean, dang it, we're supposed to be interviewing you.
2: (laughs) I love it. I love when the tables are turned. You're hitting me with
1: this deep question here. So do I feel any shame or guilt with when people give me
2: that? That that positive feedback, I guess, maybe is a more direct way of asking that. Yeah,
1: yeah, I guess I do feel a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I don't deserve it. Yeah. And another part of my brain is like, yeah, man, you totally deserve it. Like you've been through it. Like you mm-hmm. know what you're talking about. Like you may not know all the details and terms and everything, mm-hmm. but and you're not the professional. But like you've lived through mm-hmm. this. But at the same time, it's a little bit of shame and thinking like, yeah, I don't, I don't deserve this. Like I, I'm not good enough for this. So yeah. Because oh, cut that. <laughs> So, are
0: how are you for real?
2: <laughs> uh, I am. Um, I that's a good question. You know, it's funny because as soon as you were explaining the format, I just thought about how I format my sessions as a therapist and I always rate feelings and where you're at right now depending on their diagnosis. And so, talk about tables being turned. One of the most important processes for me as a therapist is for. A client to really identify their feelings and it's like that saying those who can do or those who can't do teach because when you can't identify your feelings you can't really figure out how to problem solve or i it, really when people don't want to identify the feelings, because they don't want to sit in it and i guess the point i'm trying to make is it's really i'm really good at avoiding it hmm. and so when you ask it's like i'm so used to pushing it down
0: (laughs) yeah because as the therapist your your stuff isn't really coming into the
2: equation no yeah i think now especially when you frame it that way i think that's what i've been struggling with is putting myself in the equation and and really knowing that i need to because Mm. it's i'm not it's i'm not doing well in that regard of not identifying my feelings and avoiding it and at this point in my life i just can't do that anymore but i don't know how to stop either i guess I feel like I'm making some major changes in um, how I relate to my mom and putting up those boundaries has been really, I've, I've really felt a sense of relief from it and trying to avoid feeling the guilt because we do have a codependent relationship so it's just like I'm supposed to be in charge of her feelings and man, I haven't spoken to her in a little while, and just realizing the relief of not having to be in charge of anyone else's feelings for a little while has felt really good.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, good for you. Man, that's hard. I've got codependency Mm -hmm. stuff, too, in pretty much all my central relationships, Mm -hmm. and it's... Yeah, you have to constantly keep an eye on it.
2: Yeah. But still feeling guilt, though. Still trying to balance that. Yeah,
1: I know that when I was going through the intensive outpatient program, that's when therapist was talking to me about being codependent Mm -hmm. and how like especially as the a child of an alcoholic or anyone like i just have multiple Mm -hmm. people that struggle with alcohol or substance abuse and that like you know i was always trying to like clean things up and i never Mm -hmm. wanted them to see my problems it was always like how can i make everything perfect for them and make them happy and you know no issues here but inside i'm just like dying so like Mm -hmm. and it's not being noticed at all because Mm -hmm. i'm suppressing it so much and that was stuff that I never really talked about before. Yeah. Thanks, intensive outpatient program. <laughs> Thumbs up. Thumbs up to being suicidal
0: this summer.
2: <laughs>
0: so, R is a lot of this stuff with your mom. Has it been brought up because of your dad's passing, or yes, was it already there?
2: Well, I mean, it's, it's, that is a good question. I think it's it's magnified with my dad's passing. I think it's always been there. So, I actually had this conversation with my husband the other day. And I was like, you know, man, right before he passed, I felt like me and mom were finally in a good place. And he was just like, no. <laughs> He's like, no, you weren't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, and, you know, I guess it's the things that you tell yourself that that's that's, that's avoidance. Because, you know, I'm just trained myself emotionally so much to just push it down but it comes out in ways that i don't think it does but it does and i think that's what he means it's like you're always so frustrated when she comes around you know you're always you feel like you're being criticized you feel like you're being magnified everything has to be done differently and just and it, it makes sense for why i just second guess everything it's like i've been living with that for so long any decision i make is just like i have to say it's not right it's not right and it just comes from feeling like, I don't know, I've just always felt like my mom always came from behind me and said, no, you need to do this differently. Well, what's wrong with the way I chose it? <laughs> yeah. You know? So I guess overall, to sum it up, I'm kind of feeling relief. But there's, I mean, the guilt's still there. It's not gone completely, but still some relief of just pushing it aside for a little bit.
0: hmm Yeah. Good for you. That's hard to do. And it's hard when you're used to it's hard to deal with that guilt Mm -hmm. because i've definitely been there before where i try to like set boundaries within my codependent relationships and it can be really hard like you have to just keep telling yourself like nope be tough with this Mm -hmm. like don't give into it because it's so worth it to break those patterns but yeah it's hard
2: i think what's really hard for me right now is figuring out what exactly those boundaries look like like have it I've had a break from contacting her for a few weeks, but I don't think that's realistic to do that forever, and I don't think that's something I want to do forever. But it's so scary to think about what the next step is supposed to be.
0: Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Because it's like when it's someone in your family, too, it just kind of naturalizes the relationship where you think, like, this is what being a daughter is, Mm -hmm. that's what being a mom is. And so it's really hard to redefine that. And have it feel true to you. Right. But I think especially as we, you know, move through adulthood, our relationships with our parents change so much. Like mine has changed with my mom so much since she's moved to Louisville. Whereas before it was like whenever I saw her it was a visit. So it was always like you know, spending Mm -hmm. a lot of like just kind of super positive like happy time together and I would clean the crap out of my house before she came over and stuff. Now that she lives here, <laughs> there's no hiding that I am a messy depresso. And she's—I just told her I'm like I'm you gonna see how
2: it is. Mama. You're gonna see what, what my life actually is now.
0: And we've gotten closer, and we've definitely have had some growing pains. Mm-hmm. You know, had fights that were not really fights, but just you know, we have been able to deal with negative emotions together and whereas i think before we just weren't we pushed it all back because mm-hmm. if you only see them like a few times a year then you're just trying to just get along right Right. so it's like now that there's not this extreme pressure to like get along and spend every second when mm-hmm. we're together together it's like it puts less pressure on things mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. feels more organic that's awesome And I do feel like my boundaries have gotten better, where I, you know, I tend to think that she's judging me a lot when she's actually not. Like, I think that the way she views the world, that she's just kind of judging my life based on that. But when I actually am just honest with her about that stuff, I find out that's not true. And I Mm. find out the things she said that made me think that. And it's like, oh, I was just, I was mind reading. And I was, like, doing my my thing as, like, an empathetic person where I, like, I kind of go too far trying to understand people's actions and then I just project things onto them hmm. that aren't good for me to think or for them, so.
2: I can relate to that a lot, yeah. Kind of makes me wonder sometimes, too, about my relationship with my mom. I just, She's not a very... It's weird because... She works with young children, and so she's just one of those people that naturally attracts kids. Like She just has this big open smile and hug and very warm, but she's also very critical and judgmental at the same time. So it's just like you're dying for that warmth, but you really don't get it. At least I don't feel like I get it. I get the judgment. And especially after my dad's death, it's like, well, even way before my dad's death, when they separated years ago. She wanted me to carry her through that separation emotionally. And it's like she can't wrap her head around the fact that how that affects me as a kid. Mm -hmm. Because I have my own emotional baggage to deal with from their separation. But I have to carry my own. I have to carry hers. She always makes me feel like that that's my responsibility. And now we're just replaying that now that he's gone. Well, now I have to help. I can't help you grieve. I cannot. That's a boundary I have to figure out exactly how to lay down. I cannot help you with your grief. I'm barely get. I'm barely figuring out my own, yeah. And that's the, that's really helping to keep me strong right now. But I, I don't know how to navigate in the future. It's not like I I need to call her at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and you're, I think you're completely right in feeling like you need to set that boundary because, like, even though you're an adult now, like. You're still the kid in the sense that, you know, your your mom's Mm -hmm. grief, which is just so huge, she should be maybe protecting you from that a little bit because you're already dealing with this Mm -hmm. trauma of losing your dad and then dealing with her loss on top of that is just a lot. And, you know, parents kind of protect us from Mm -hmm. certain things that, you know, certain feelings because they always feel that. You know protectiveness is the only yeah. word I can think of mm-hmm. but when they don't feel that it's really hard because then it's like they're letting you in on things that you're like ah no I don't want to
2: hear this like you know she just has no concept of that but that's and you know that's something that I've been working on with my own therapist is uh, she wants me to do this exercise about planning the funeral for our relationship and it's uh, I have the session on Monday and I haven't done it <laughs> That's intense. yeah I, I that's the thing as a therapist I give co- it we give homework all the time and it's in, in CBT cognitive behavioral therapy it's called cognitive homework and cognition means thinking so I've been thinking about the homework she gave me yeah. <laughs> I haven't written it down but whether it's written or not it's there and it's you know I've had my 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 husband's family over so that kind of helps me just relax and focus in on on the other side of my family versus thinking about the family I'm trying to deal with, but it still pops in and out. So I have thoughts about what to talk about with a therapist. And I guess when it comes to a funeral with the relationship, accepting that she, that she has her sense of denial isn't going to change. And I have to accept that. Yeah. I think that's what she means in terms of the funeral.
1: I do have a, a weird question i don't know how to ask it actually um but it was just from both hearing from both of you all and just as daughters mm-hmm. and then just also knowing my sister and my mom's relationship and my mom's relationship with her mother do you all find and just because i i just come from an ignorance point of view here as just a son is is that i'm trying to figure out how to ask this question <laughs> like is it
0: a mother daughter thing
1: yeah mm-hmm. I, I just i i just hear that often and i'm not sure if it's like a like a like a daughter struggling to live up to the mother's standards or like the mother's expectations or feeling judged and criticized by the mother. I'm not sure if that's like a really common thing that you all Mm -hmm. have found with not only yourselves and other friends or just that it's just from people that I'm hearing from. I'm just not sure.
0: I mean, I think it's super common. Yeah. I I think there's something about, and it might be something about like same gender parents. Like Mm -hmm. there might be a thing where, Dads are harder on their sons, too. Mm-hmm. But I think it's that aspect that they see themselves in you more because you, you share that trait of, like, your gender, mm-hmm. and they almost see you as a reflection of them. Definitely. And so if they see something that they don't want to see, then they try to, to stamp it out. Mm-hmm. Like, my daughter isn't going to be like that or yeah. act like that. Yeah, I think, I mean, everyone... Mm-hmm. I know get stressed out yeah. when their mom comes to visit
2: I think it 's a, a reflection on both ways, like the daughter maybe has built up certain standards in life based upon her mother 's life or based upon her mother 's mistakes, and vice versa. i think the do- uh, the the mom wants to encourage the daughter to not repeat the same things maybe she did, or these are the standards you must live by. I think they have their own concept, and when that clashes it 's hard. Mm. That's and really they they mm-hmm. feel like
0: because they're older when you're younger they get to make those rules for you but as you get older you are allowed to kind of set your own standards mm-hmm. and but they'll still be kind of trying to keep control a little bit mm-hmm. so that, like it makes mm-hmm. sense for me to have a funeral of of a relationship because it's not that you're ending a connection with her but like you would have to mourn the specific relationship that you had when you were, you know, meeting her standards in certain mm-hmm. ways and then the fact that you're not going to be willing to do that,
2: that exact way that you related to each other yeah. is going away. I mean, it's just... It's one of those things where I, I, I just kind of feel like she has set impossible standards and she's she, she doesn't understand them those standards herself and that's what's strange is that she'll just kind of she she doesn't understand they're impossible but wants you to attain them and yeah. that's what i feel like is a really defining way of explaining her denial mm-hmm. so that's what i just that's the funeral is me accepting that that denial is not going to change yeah,
1: yeah yeah cuz from a, from a son's point of view i just you know if my mom's coming over or whatever it's just like yay mom's coming over <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't stress <laughs> me out at all but then i guess like the relationship is different for me with my dad so it's mm-hmm. you know trying to live up and be a provider or a quote unquote man and like you know all those little things that come with that but i guess it's it is it's just interesting to hear that dynamic mm-hmm. and I just wanted to ask that question. I didn't ask it very well, but you know, I think you all got it. I
0: got it. Yeah. No, I think it was a great question. Yeah, um, and it's
2: very valid. Yeah, it's just different, particularly in for my situation. My um, so my mother is from Mexico. My dad is from Haiti, and so those cultures, you know, value the male and patriarchal society, and so and it's it's I think when women are in that immersed in that kind of world it's a form of self-hatred, which is another, which is another, I guess, reflection of denial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you, because my brother certainly doesn't have the same emotional requirements from my mom that I do. Mm-hmm. So it could be gender, it could be cultural, it could be, you know, I guess, a little bit of everything.
0: Yeah.
1: Has it has that been difficult for you? Just, uh, I know we're, we, do we need to go to our break? Let's
0: take a break and just pick right up. Okay. Be right
1: back. Two Nuts in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff the stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nuts in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Castbox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065-WFMP-LP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media, promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved.
0: we're back
1: All right.
0: so Emory, I think you had a question for R before we took our little break
1: yes I did uh, so you talked about the kind of patriarchal society within with Mexico and mm-hmm. Haiti with your mom and dad and I was wondering how that has translated for you being a wife and a mother
2: well I think part of that particularly for my parents they had a very tumultuous relationship Their communication was very poor and I wonder if that's a reflection of the patriarchal society as well because it's like if the husband says something that's it whereas my mom it's so funny because she's she is an independent woman as she had her own career and she's very outgoing and social and very and, and very much a part very interested in the community so I feel like that in itself was hard for my dad because he wanted her to be at home And I think that kind of butt heads and that caused all their communication problems. And I I don't know if that's a, I I don't know if I'm digressing from answering your question, but I feel that it's important in terms of like what I feel is the, the, the count, I guess the negative effects of the patriarchal society is wanting to push against that, but still honoring it and that causing inner turmoil. That's what I saw within my parents. Okay. I feel like that caused a lot of inner turmoil is that they, they had this idea of what a household needed to be very traditional when really I think deep down my mom didn't want that. But because I think growing up and be, that being immersed in that concept of a patriarchal society, of the man being in charge and it, the nuclear family and what that's supposed to look like, I think that's why they had such ugly communication. Mm-hmm. But because she's in denial of it, because that's what she all she knew, couldn't maybe – exactly place why she was so upset or why the the communication, where did that disconnect come from? Mm -hmm. That's probably the best way to put it.
0: Yeah. And patriarchy. Mm -hmm. I feel like that, I think that in general plays into the mother daughter relationship a Mm -hmm. lot too. this feeling that they're, they're teaching you how to be a woman Mm -hmm. and that they're putting a lot of the, the assumptions that they grew up with onto you Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not the case anymore like that women you know have to manage the whole social calendar mm-hmm. or have to keep the house perfectly clean and cook every night but that was an expectation for them absolutely so yeah. when they see us not doing that they think oh i haven't taught her how
2: to be a woman
0: yes very well said yes mm. it's like yeah no i'm just a different
2: kind right just yeah. because i do things differently doesn't mean it's wrong Right. But yet, that's the constant, like, tape that I play in my head all the time when it comes to my mother and feeling her judgment. Just because I'm doing it differently doesn't mean that I'm wrong, but I'm that's what I'm struggling with. I'm tired of having to play that. I'm tired of having to constantly positive self-talk my way into feeling better just to be around her.
0: Yeah, that's not fair to you.
2: Yeah, it's just so hard. But also, I thought about a lot of different things when you first asked me that question, because how does that play out now in my marriage and how I communicate and is it a part of the the concept of a patriarchal society where as a woman your actions are judged and so that's kind of how the lens that I have sometimes is it because of that patriarchal society or is it because of how my relationship with my mom but when my when me and my husband communicate that's the first thing when it's it goes in a negative direction I, that's the first thing I go for he's trying to control me, he's trying to judge me Versus kind of like a mind reading distortion. Yeah. So I feel I feel like that for me is my personal side effect of the mm-hmm. patriarchal society is just my communication issues.
0: Well, I'll be like, it, it affects my confidence. Mm-hmm. Like I still, because my mom was like very traditional in a lot of ways and she stayed home with us when we were kids. Mm-hmm. When I feel, I'll often feel that I'm failing as a woman without her even being in the equation. Like, I will feel like I have to apologize to my husband if I feel like I look ugly, for example, which is just like so bizarre mm-hmm. to think of. You know, oh. me thinking I had to apologize to him, yeah, because of the way I looked. Like, oh, I'm sorry that I'm just so such a slob, and I don't look. Pr- I don't try to look pretty at home at all. I'm just, bleh. and it's like, oh, I would never. I shouldn't have to apologize for that. I shouldn't feel like I have to. And my husband is like the last person in the world who would be mm-hmm. judgmental about that stuff. So it's like it's totally self self inflicted. <laughs> <laughs> we just heard a really weird sound. Yeah,
2: <laughs> trying to figure out what song it was. It sounded like a song. For, yeah, it's someone's radio.
0: Yeah, that was weird. It seems like someone was driving by the window of the eighth story playing a song. It's like, how, what, what the hell just happened?
1: Back to the future flying yeah. car. Um,
0: okay, so, R, I definitely want to get to talking about the mm-hmm. work that you do, too. Okay. So, what what kind of work do you do now, and how do you see, like, how does how do mental health
2: issues kind of play into the work that you do? Well, so I provide uh, mental health services for families who are have had their kids removed. So typically those reasons are either for substance abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, a variety of really different issues. And so I work with the family at different points of transition. So either right when the kids are removed, when they returned, or maybe they've been returned for a certain amount of period or right before they returned, kind of like, you know, in that transitional period. And so working with the family to kind of figure out what led led to the situation and what things we can do differently. We're not going to create miracles, but maybe we can provide some structure that, that provides this family with the tools they need to get back together and, and have it on their terms.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I feel like that's a side of the story that
2: mm-hmm.
0: we don't get a lot. Like, I didn't even know... Like before mm-hmm. talking to you more in depth about your job, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that kind of role existed. Mm-hmm. You always hear mm-hmm. about CPS. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that there's a therapist yeah. working with the families trying to keep them together. Yeah, But it's like... I think that that's just a problem with society mm-hmm. and how we just try to put everyone in this little box of mm-hmm. what's normal. And when a family has hard times and has things that they go, mm-hmm. you know, really hard, like traumatic things that they go through that it's like, you know, that fractures the family. Yeah. And obviously the best thing is to get them back together again. But like, does that, does it take a toll on you? Like doing that kind of work? Cause it seems like mm-hmm. it would be really
2: intense. Right now it really is just dealing with coming in terms of my own family and Knowing that I did come to this field hoping that I could change things to the, to where I wanted things to be changed as a kid. That made me feel good, but at this point, it just kind of makes me... I don't want to say resentful, but it's been hard to balance that because I'm just trying to deal with my own crap from the past. And it's like, it's it's hard to to just focus in on what people are dealing with now when I'm trying to emotionally get myself together. So that's that's been hard, but... It's also been kind of good, too, to be able to focus in. Some days are better than others, I guess I should say. Some days I'm able to just focus in on what I need to do and not let my emotional baggage come in. And some days I'm not. It's just, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Well, I hear about mm-hmm. like people struggling to keep their work at work and they bring it home with them. But it seems like so your struggle might be a mm-hmm. little bit of the opposite. So it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to focus on your work because you're bringing the personal yeah. stuff that you struggle with there as well
2: yeah Hmm. it's kind of like highlighted really a lot right now (laughs) yeah yeah
0: which makes sense Mm because you're still you know dealing with grief from your dad's passing Mm -hmm. and that just like is so big it's such a big emotion Mm -hmm. and it's it's one that you kind of it's kind of unrelenting i mean maybe when you're sleeping you don't you don't experience it unless you're dreaming about him but every waking minute it's like you know you're
2: in the thick of it well for me lately i think but even before he died there's different you know traumatic things that i feel like happened in my childhood and i was struggling with because the type of therapy i do is trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy and so specifically for children with trauma history and we we identify their triggers for their Trauma symptoms. And the whole point is to see if it can be reduced throughout the treatment. Help them identify their feelings. Help them identify where, because trauma is a sensory thing. So, different, your memory can be triggered by different sensory issues, you know, depending how it's tied to your, how the memory is tied to each sense. So, where you can feel and also identifying where you feel your feelings in your body. All of that is really helpful because. After you learn that, you can implement a coping skill to help yourself calm down whenever you your trauma is triggered. I don't know if that made sense, but...
0: Yeah, so it's like you're drawing attention to where, like, the negative feeling... I know there's no negative... The source of pain. There are no negative feelings, but, you know, right. there this, kind of are. Yeah. There are ones that are unpleasant mm-hmm. for us and that make it difficult for mm-hmm. us to, like maintain relationships whatever mm-hmm. it is but yeah finding out what it makes sense that you would be finding out what those triggers are mm-hmm.
2: in order to kind of get to the root of behaviors because the triggers are there and i think that's that's one of the biggest things about tfcbt is to figure out your avoidance one of it's a it's a common coping mechanism is to my it's middle to, name to, is avoidance yes to push it down so you don't have to feel it but the more you push the more it stays there and that's why trauma is, stays trapped in your body. So if you can identify where your feelings are, then you can identify the trigger, and then you can figure out how to cope with it. But you can't come up with a coping st- skill until you sit in it, and that's why avoidance is the enemy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And avoidance is mm-hmm. that, like,
0: you know, I always think of substance mm-hmm. abuse with avoidance. Because, Big I mean... Time. I definitely have that like addictive gene where mm-hmm. I'm like, it's amazing that I'm not like addicted to heroin or something because I'm just I'm very, you know, prone to, I just have an addictive personality mm-hmm. that I've always had to just keep an eye on and be aware of. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm lucky that I haven't like, you know, had like a major surgery that I had pain meds for or stuff like that because though, you know, that really scares me. Mm-hmm how addictive that is but it's yeah the avoidance is so strong and for me it's like a people-pleasing thing Mm. if i can avoid my negative feelings then i can always perform for people so i don't like to sit in them Mm -hmm. for too long my big thing now is to like journal when i'm experiencing them instead of like wanting to like take a pill or Mm -hmm. have a drink or something it's like i just try to like process it Mm -hmm. or like talk to someone about it. But it's hard because I think we have a culture that definitely wants us to avoid things. They want us to buy things to avoid our feelings. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That avoidance culture. Like, yeah, it's definitely hitting home for me. Like I even think of like, yeah, I definitely have an addictive personality. I think of like last year when I had surgery on my shoulder and then I was given Oxycontin. And of course that's like super addictive And then, like, I found myself just, like, being drawn to substances more and more after that. And then, like, to the point where it was like, yeah, this is maybe not a problem, but it's definitely something I'm doing to avoid anything. If I ever want to avoid those sad feelings or those frustrated feelings it's like oh well i can just do this instead but it's obviously not healthy or helpful for me it's just completely avoiding it and i think the 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 most difficult thing ever is to sit with those feelings and now i feel like i do that i do that more so now and it's really really hard (laughs) because sometimes you're like i don't want to sit with those feelings but it is so important to do Mm -hmm. it just is like how do you sit with those feelings and be like in a healthy way. Like, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. Like, I I almost don't know how to. Like, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to be super sad for a really long time. And it's going to make it so this whole day is kind of difficult for me. Like, I had to call off work last Monday because I was like, I, I'm i too sad. Like, I literally can't do anything.
0: Yeah.
1: And just, I don't know. It's just a struggle to figure out, like, how to make that, like, I don't want to make it, quote, unquote, productive. But not to the point where it's just like, I can't do anything else. I don't want to feel that way. But Yeah.
0: But sometimes I feel like the threat of the feeling is worse than the feeling itself. It's like the Mm. anticipation of the, you know, quote-unquote negative feeling. The feeling that we don't want to have. Like, we don't want to deal with it because it's uncomfortable and it's unpleasant. That sometimes it's like the meta feeling. It's like the fear to have that feeling that, you know, makes me avoid things. Because when I actually Mm -hmm. sit with it, I realize it's not that bad what like but it's way scarier and bigger in my mind it's like a thing that i want to stay away from mm. man i can't believe we're already <laughs> getting to our gratitudes wow we're already at the ends i feel like we could just chat all day yeah. maybe we'll have to have you back on sometime okay. or... <laughs> that'll be fun because we didn't even get to you know the therapy that you've done in previous oh. jobs you've you've done so many different things so, gratitudes. At the end of every episode, we share something that we're grateful for, just to kind of end on a positive note and try to, you know, count our blessings kind of thing. So, gratitudes. What do you guys got? I'm, I'm going to come up with it while you're talking, so.
1: <laughs> okay. I would say I am grateful for the... And we, I mentioned it earlier in the show. I was grateful for the, for the opportunity to lead that professional development session. I uh, i definitely felt unqualified and had, was struggling with imposter syndrome, but I was very grateful for the opportunity to present the information I knew and the experiences I had to an audience. And just the subsequent conversations that we had afterwards, and we had a Q&A session and everything was really amazing. And then I actually had someone who friend requested me on Facebook from it and uh, she messaged me about what something i had said in regards to people that you know especially like with something like ocd when people are like oh my ocd is that's why i'm so organized and neat and i was like yeah people should really stop saying that type of stuff because this is an actual disorder and not something just because you're neat to or organize that you have um and so mm-hmm. she thanked me for that and i was like okay i feel like maybe i did something positive here and it's hard to feel like you've done anything positive with quarantine happening and COVID and all this stuff happening in the world. Like you're just, it's very heavy. So I, it, I, I'm grateful for that opportunity to be able to do that.
2: Cool. What about you, Ar? Um, I'm grateful for pushing myself to start boundaries. And I'm grateful for giving myself a little bit of permission to not have an answer yet. Mm. This is me trying to sit in my feelings, and it's not easy. And sometimes I do push it out, and sometimes I don't. And that's one of the – you were asking about the rest of my experiences. I used to do – I used to be the social worker for an inpatient facility, and our whole type of therapy was crisis intervention. So one thing I would always say, the difference between everyone in here and everyone outside is four walls. (laughs) Mm. You know, we're all the same. It's just some of us are are trying, attempting on – looking at the changes we need to make, where some people may not be there yet. And so one exercise I would do in particular is just a plain dry erase board, get a marker, and just start drawing circles all around and round on the board. And I said, this to me is success. This is a look of success. And everyone would give me a blank look. Because, you know, if I think probably a common conception of what success is, is starting from the bottom, working your way to the top. But to me, success is just to keep going. Mm. Yeah. So... And that was really important message for me as a therapist too, folks dealing with crisis is because you can keep going and it doesn't feel that way right now and it may not even feel that way next week or next month yeah but doesn't mean you won't be in a good place in six months yeah and our doors are open if you need to come back in a year
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: not, okay so i have to come up with my gratitude now <laughs> um, i realized that I am really bad at being grateful. I'm just really bad at it. I'm always thinking about the negative. But I do feel like after yesterday after going to a friend's going away party and I've been thinking about this a lot lately since covid restrictions have kind of let up a bit and we've mm-hmm. been able to see our friends more. I just like really feel grateful for the friends I have. Like I feel like I just have a solid group of humans at this point in my life and you know, I've got like a couple of different groups that I love. I'd love the dynamic. Like I'd love having people know me that well. Like it, I, you know, I think that for, for me, I tend to, it takes me a long time to open up to people. So, you know, I feel like in the group mm-hmm. yesterday for the going away part, like it took me years of, of knowing that group before I would even be vulnerable with people um, or show up to things when I you know wasn't feeling like i was on my a-game or something like I, I was very like people pleaser Yeah. and now i just feel like i i have i've known the people in my circles long enough that i can just be real with people mm-hmm. and that is pretty amazing yeah it's a pretty nice thing to have especially for a people pleaser
2: oh yeah i have to yeah so you're working on your own boundaries within yourself I'm not here to please people. I'm here to enjoy the people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, myself. <laughs> totally. And I'll, I'll remind myself of that when I'm on the way somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not here to entertain people. Nope. I'm not here to take care of other people's feelings or needs. Like, I'm just here to have fun mm-hmm. and to do, you know, to focus on my reactions to things yeah. and how I feel about things. But I do have to remind myself because I easily get sucked into my empathy, like mm. I'm always picking up it's just this satellite dish and I'm constantly picking up other people's <laughs> emotions and so it's like I don't need to turn it off. I just need to not take responsibility for their Ooh, emotions. I like that. It's like I can <laughs> I can see it and maybe offer a connection there mm-hmm. and like, you know, I can help without completely like absorbing it.
2: I'm obsessed with uh, affirmations from Pinterest, and you just reminded me of one. one it said, seek connection, not validation. Ooh, I say that in my head a lot. That's really good. Yeah.
0: Mm. All right, guys. Well, we are actually out of time. Ooh. Sad. Sad face. <laughs> All right, everybody. Keep talking about your feelings. Bye. 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 Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks for coming. No problem. <laughs> Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.